you are king of kings, Lord. You are the king of my heart. I pray that is true for everyone. I just thank you for the greatness, the wonder of who you are, God. I thank you for your love. How could we even begin to thank you for your love except to just give you back everything and love you because you first loved us? Thank you, God, so much. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to fully take over, to invade our hearts, our minds. We know you're here. Your presence is always here. When two or three are gathered together in your name, Jesus, we are already graced with your presence, God. But we ask just a ramping up of feeling that this morning. I pray that you'd unlock barriers in our minds, in our lives, in any way. God, as you are readying us for what Josh just prayed, that your will be done in each of our lives. We want your will to be done. And because you never usurp our free will, we can only let your will be done as we give you our yes. God, so we say yes. We say yes this morning. Whatever you want to do, we love you, Lord. How could we come up with anything better than what you have planned? It's always supremely far above anything that we could even begin to make up. So we love you, God. We honor you. We bless your name. You are so worthy. You are so worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Help Greg and Michael if they're in Nigeria right now. You're doing extraordinary things there. Uh, Things are unfolding that are just, there are no words to even express the high things that you are forming, moving, molding together that only you could do. And I just thank you, God, for doing it that way. You deserve all the glory, but I love that you're doing it in a way to where we would just literally have to twist the facts to not give you the glory because we just could not even begin to make this up or do it ourselves. Thank you, God. What a glorious, wonderful God you are. We love you. Bless this time together. And I don't say bless lightly. Transform. Move. Make new from what you have this morning. So that we just are more like you, God. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Your real reality. It's the only phrase the Lord gave me this week. Um, I've often referred to how we live in two different realities. There's that that realm in the kingdom, which is why I love that we have... uh, Matthew 6.33, seeking first the kingdom, his righteousness, and all everything adds. You know, how many thousands of times have we said that? By the way, if you say it a few thousand more, each time you'll get a new truth, a new depth of meaning that the Lord will shine. Just Sometimes he'll take a, a, a one letter of one word of one verse, and, and you just get this incredible aha, unlocking moment. 
That is the wisdom and revelation that's unfolding that God promises that he tells us about in Ephesians. But the reality that we live in is something that is really important for us to identify with as believers. And so we're going to look in a profound place called the Bible today. We're going to look in the Bible. Um, and I just want to show you a couple of scriptures that really is, is this is, this is almost more of a testimony to this morning of what, what's been in my secret place. Okay. So um, if, if the whole, it's up to the Holy Spirit for how it resonates with you, but I'll tell you by way of testimony, um, I guess I'll, I'll word it this way. The testimony of Jesus in my life is the spirit of prophecy out this morning because I'm going to testify as to what Jesus has been showing me, doing in my life. Um, it will never end, I pray. But um, when we look at Galatians 5.16, let's just go ahead and go there uh, and turn to Galatians 5.16. I, I'm a passionate believer in, in the, the idea, in the Word of God, not an idea, in the truth, in the Word of God as um, he speaks it in the New Testament about being Bereans. You don't want to just receive a word and just get that real good feel-good moment or, or just even, a, even an epiphany but not take it with you and study it for yourself. So I always like to give you where you can go in, in the Bible because when you have a message and God speaks to you, sometimes people have a phrase and they're like, okay, where is that found? Now, thanks to Google, even with all of its levels of corruption that are being exposed today, there is a way to say a phrase in the Word of God. If you say Bible verse, you know, walk by faith, and then hit the Google, it, it will tell you where you find that. That's a wonderful help that we didn't have. I had to grow up uh, learning it through the games we played, the sword drill. Does anybody, that, is that a phrase that even rings a bell at all? Sword drill, you had to hold your Bible with the, with the binder and you held it like this and then they'd say a phrase and, and you, you, know, you look it up really quickly and you stand up and the winner is the one that stood up and had the reference. So the hardest deceitful above all men. Oh, stand up. Okay. Look, look, look. Jeremiah 33. Or Jeremiah 33. Uh, <laughs> Clearly I lost. Right? <laughs> Jeremiah 17.9. Oh, goodness, i got to spend some more time with Jerry. Anyway, so, uh, but, but, you know, that was all we had. You just had to know the word. And so don't get lazy with these easy helps. Dig in. You know, mark your Bible. Use the markings on your uh, electronic device if needed. But, but know, know where truth is and, and know it well because even the word of God is twisted by the enemy. And... Um, that has so much to do with this understanding of the real reality. But in this verse that many of you, you think, okay, well, Galatians 5.16, I know that one. I don't have to go there. Look at it with me if you would. Galatians 5.16, and I'm going to actually be turning to these uh, in old school paper Bible. But um, this is what I love. This I say then, and this is King James, but there's many translations and um, I don't think they do. They don't have it yet. They do. Fantastic. There's a couple times I'll go back and forth. This I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Okay. Walk in the spirit. Think about that just for a second. Walk in the spirit. This is what the Lord, he'll highlight a phrase and I'll just say it over and over again. Walk in the spirit. What does that mean? You know, as, a, as believers, when we get this new creation, you know, we, we, we take on Jesus. You know, in, in Genesis 126, it, it, that's the first time we see that, that God made us in his image. But what I love about the King James is, 
It says, let us make him in our image so that all aspects of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, he made mankind in his image for the purpose of beautiful, holy, righteous, amazing, connected fellowship. And his desire is to just transform us to become more and more like him. Now, when sin entered the world, that changed things. And then, of course, Jesus came, became the second Adam to buy back our freedom through salvation, through the blood of Jesus. So we have a wonderful, we have wonderful access to him through, through what he gave as a gift on the cross. But walking in the Spirit, I, um, I was thinking about the idea of the, the realities that we live in. And, wow, you know, what we're about to walk into, what's about to happen, many of you, when I say that, you know, the easy understanding of it is those that are moving to Nigeria. There is a human realm grasp on, okay, I am leaving my life here in America. I will be living in Nigeria. That, that whole new, at least some aspects of it, they understand. But everyone in ignition is about to enter a major change, a major shift in your life. It's, it's easier to look at that because it's something you can at least grasp. And it's, it's hard to grasp if you haven't been there, but we have an understanding of what it's like to move, so we understand that. But each of us, as we enter into what is coming and the changes, it's, it's so important that we are anchored in who we really are. What is our identity? What is our life? And who who are we really? Because... There are two realities that you're going to be at war with all the time. You're going to be at war with who God says and who this, this, this relationship with God. What, what is it? What do, you, what do I actually serve or worship? And then everything around me that's my reality. See, because we have, and we talk about realms. I've been mentioning at least realms a lot. God's had that, that whole idea of seeking the kingdom. What does that mean, seeking the kingdom? We have the kingdom realm. We have where God resides in the spirit. And then we have this human realm. And the bridge between the two is our faith. And so he brought that a couple of scriptures to me that I just found to be so interesting. Um, we know when we're, when we're battling in this world, we know that from Ephesians 6.12, which we've been speaking of in the courts, we know we're not actually engaging in the warfare in the flesh. It will manifest sometimes in the flesh, but I would, I would dare say there's not too many that have had an actual fist fight with another human being recently. Maybe so, but even that, the spirit realm affects that. But when you wrestle, when you engage in things, if we don't, if we don't understand our real reality, then we're going to engage in the wrong war. And we'll, we'll be fighting human realm things that we'll, we won't have the full picture of. When we see in the spirit and we understand where we're to reside in the spirit, we get to see things clearly. And seeking God more and more is what allows our eyes to be opened. And so I want to just kind of show you a couple of scriptures that, um, that helped me to understand this idea of the two realms. One thing that hit me really hard, and sometimes I'll read scripture, sometimes I'll listen, but the Psalms, I wanted to go to David. David understood, boy, more than so many. There's so many great examples in scripture, but I want to go to Psalm 31. Um, 
I love this. There's so many great psalms, but one of the things that I thought was very interesting about this particular scripture, and I, I could really give you so many different ones, but look at this particular scripture because you're seeing this contrast of where he lived. Now, this is, again, when we accept Christ, we become a new creation. You know, you, you hear scripture say, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That word behold, what is behold? It means see it. If you behold your face in a mirror, you see your face. So Paul is saying in that verse, see what's going on. You have died. When you get saved, you've died to the things of your old man, and you put on my righteousness to become new. So all things have become new. Then you enter into the, the sanctification journey where I can completely transform and make new Constantly, you know, uh, Philippians 1 6, when we, he begins a good work in us, he continues to perform it. He'll always be working on us until we're in our glorified bodies. So, David is here in this place of really a, a hurtful, everybody I think could relate to this. Maybe right now, maybe at one time in your life. But look at here. It says here, in thee do I, oh, oh Lord, do I trust. And I'm going to do a little bit back and forth, like I said, and I'll do King James for right now, and you follow me in whatever translation you're in. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in my righteousness. Bow down thy ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock for an house of, de of defense to save me. Okay, now look at verse 4. Pull me out of the net that they have laid privily for me. Okay, or basically pull me out of the traps my enemies have set for me. Okay, for thou art my strength. Into thy hand I commit my spirit. You hear that a lot. That's said a lot at funerals. Uh, thou hast redeemed me, O Lord, the God of my truth. Um, now, look down at verse 9. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. Mine eye is consumed with grief. Yea, my soul and my belly. For my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. My strength fails, faileth because of mine iniquity and my bones are consumed. He's talking about a miserable place that he's in. I'm going to go to the New Living and read on. I'm scorned, verse 11, I'm scorned by all my enemies and despised by my neighbors. Even my friends are afraid to come near me. When they see me on the street, they turn the other way. I have been ignored as if I were dead. As if I were a broken pot. I have heard the many rumors about me, and I am surrounded by terror. My enemies conspire against me, plotting to take my life. Okay, so you see this picture that he's giving here. He starts out with the declaration of trusting. That's the that's when he's in his the spirit reality of who he is. But then he goes back into this human realm reality. Like this is what's actually happening to my body and my human surroundings. People are coming against me. I'm ailing in my body. I'm, I'm experiencing rejection. I'm experiencing turmoil and trials. And so you see this back and forth, this war against, Lord, this is who I am in you. This is what I believe about you, but this is what I'm dealing with. And it's such a beautiful place because in verse 14, you see... Okay, remember, you have the lead up from verse 13. I have heard the many rumors about me. I am surrounded by terror. My enemies conspire against me, plotting to take my life. But, verse 14 starts with but. But, 
I am trusting you, O Lord, saying you are my God. My future is in your hands. Everything we're about to read here, first of all, the word but is an undoer. It, it undoes, undoes, okay? That's why you never want to say, well, yes, I listen to the God. I listen to the voice of God, and I, I do what he says. You know, I just I desire to follow him. But, okay, what? Stop. If you listen to the voice of God and you're following him, don't add a but after that. Just know that that will undo what you just said. And this is, he is undoing. It's like, this is my reality. I'm dealing with all of this stuff. But my real reality, my real reality, he begins to declare. I am trusting you, O Lord, saying you are my God. My future is in your hands. Rescue me from those who hunt me down relentlessly. Let your favor, because I believe you got favor, shine on your servant. Then verse 17, don't let me be disgraced, O Lord, for I call out to you to, for help. Let the wicked be disgraced. And he goes on to ask what he's asking for. May their lying lips be silenced, he says in verse 18. But I love, skip down to 20. You hide them. You hide them. You're, no, I'm sorry, let's do 19. Your goodness is so great. Okay, your goodness is so great? What about... Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. My eyes consumed with grief, yea, my, my soul and my belly. My life is spent with grief. My life is spent with grief, but your goodness is so great. Doesn't that sound like a little bit of a conflict? It's interesting when you see David knew how to live in his real reality. That's why he had the heart of God. He was a man after God's own heart. He knew how to live in the human realm reality of one thing, but then with the faith bridged to the real reality, which is who he was in Christ. You see, because he knew his real reality because he knew his real God. He knew who God was. And so therefore, in knowing God, he got to know himself. You ever want to get to know who you are more? The human realm that is of this, this prince of the power of our air that's been given for a time by Satan will be is full of deception. There are even levels of authorities that are even given over regions to create different, um, different mind uh, barrages of attacks. You know, some will be heavily sexualized, others will be heavily, um, you know, corrupt in, in money or whatever. Different, different things get hit. And there is a, a lie of just this. Um, even hopelessness and destruction and everything that, that God is not. And God is, is asking us by faith to believe that who he is is what's really our reality. And I'm going to get off track here. Let me finish this. I'll do the best I can without chopping this all up. So you hide me. Verse 20. You hide me in the shelter of your presence, safe from those who conspire against them. You shelter them in your presence, or me, far from accusing tongues. Praise the Lord, for he has shown me his unfailing love. He kept me safe when my city was under attack. In sudden fear I cried out, I have been cut off from the Lord. But, but, that was what I dealt with in this reality. But you, God, in your kingdom realm, heard my cry for mercy and answered my call for help. Love the Lord. Then it's a charge. Love the Lord, all you faithful ones. 
For the Lord protects those who are loyal to him. He harshly punishes those who are arrogant. Be strong and take courage, all you who put hope in the Lord. I love in, in Psalm 37, it talks about the Lord, the angels of the Lord encamp those who fear him. So I just keep finding that this whole idea, and just go back a couple pages if you don't mind to just Psalm 27. This is another one I wanted to kind of highlight to you. If we don't know who our real reality is, uh, what our real reality is, and who, who we are in that reality, we're going to really, really struggle um, outside of this bubble that we're in right now, which really we are in, in a bit of a bubble. I want to show you this scripture in Psalm 27, and then I want you to go back to one of the worship songs that we sang. Um, but look at verse, Psalm 27. Uh, I love in verses 1 through 5, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Why? So why should I be afraid? The Lord protects me from danger. So why should I tremble? When evil people come to destroy me, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will know no fear. See, he's going human realm, kingdom realm, human realm, kingdom realm. This is my human existence, but this is my reality. It's, it's, it's he knew how to be where he really needed to be to be victorious. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will know no fear. Even when they attack me, I remain confident because in the kingdom I am confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. This is what I love. I love verse 5. For he will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. Or King James says pavilion. He'll hide me. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. That is such a beautiful picture of where we really are in Christ. You know, when you walk in shoes of peace, one of the pieces of armor that we have, Peace is not only a fruit or a manifestation of the Spirit. Peace is a person. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. When we walk in Jesus, we are walking in Him. When He says, when, when David is saying here, the one thing I desire most is to live in the house of the Lord. It's to live in Him. It is to live in who He is. So He is there no matter what happens. Um, I think sometimes a better word for the fruit of the Spirit is not just fruit, but manifestation. You know, when you say, well, am I walking in the fruits of the Spirit? Are you walking in the manifestation of the Spirit of God in you? What is manifesting out of our lives? What is manifesting out of my life? Is love manifesting out of my life? If, if it's not, then it's a sign of the fact that I haven't been abiding in the vine, growing anything. I'm not growing anything that's seen, that's manifesting. You know, if a, if a fruit, if a tree is, is bearing fruit, you see by the manifestation of the fruit growing that, oh, yes, okay, that's, wow, that's growing. Or that's a big, ooh, look at all those apples on that tree. It's amazing. And the manifestation will come when we're in the Spirit. But, but learning how to be hidden with him, Colossians 3 talks about that, that he'll hide me. This, this idea of hiddenness we were talking about in the ladies' class a lot. It's such an important place to be because the change that's coming, we already know our mere surroundings are changing. 
with entering the building, we know that part of ignition, there will always be an aspect of, of ignition that is going to be in homes. We, we, we know that. God has done things in the most unorthodox way in terms of building this massive ministry in a different nation that he said from the get-go. We didn't always know fully what it meant, but when he said it starts in Nigeria, it, what's it? Ignition's growth and ministry and, and the, the tangible human realm result manifestation of what I'm doing was going to start in Nigeria, and it just happened just like that. But if we are not anchored in knowing that our real identity, that we're wrapped in Christ, we're hidden with him, he is where we reside. It is not just, it's the difference between um, the, the visitation that sometimes is, is an outward manifestation, we have a visitation from God, it's a difference between that and, and this habitation. We want to be inhabited all the time because the change that's coming sometimes shifts our ability to stay hidden with him. Uh, if you ever get thrown off in your worship with either noises or a song that you don't know, we, they started out this morning with a new song. Sometimes people are, are affected by the outward atmosphere that they're in and they can't, they don't have the capacity to, to, to enter into that place where it's your worship, you're in, you're in Christ and it's just, okay, God, this is just you and I. This is you and I. That's where we're supposed to be in worship. Now, cor- coming together corporately is great. And we, we have a greater manifestation of the presence of God when we carry his presence in together. But if you get thrown off really easily, then you haven't learned the art of, of the depth of his presence. When the fiery darts are hitting you in your life, whether it be a barrage of mental attacks, somebody actually speaking Life or death, or excuse me, death of their words, you know, the power of, of the tongue contains life or death when it's used. And sometimes somebody will speak something to you. Do you have the ability to be so hidden, so shielded, so held out of reach in Christ that that fiery dart either misses you or it pierces the one thing that connects you to the kingdom realm, which is your faith, your shield of faith. We have that shield that it bounces right off of. See, if we don't, we're going to be like what James says. We're going to be just tossed to and fro. We're going to be tossed around with the waves. What are the waves? What are waves? They're the circumstances of life. They're the changes of life. Those moving to Nigeria, the only thing they're going to take that is a constancy, okay, a, a constant place with them that's not going to change is where they're anchored in Christ. Every other thing will change. Their surroundings, the temperature they live in, the food they eat, what they do, every other thing. But you know what? The unchangeable foundation rock upon which they stand is not going to be different if it's there now. That's the only thing they have to worry about. And I'll tell you what, um, I, because of doing the message today, um, I had asked Shannon to teach the ladies class and it was wonderful we were very much in, in sync with the Holy Spirit just did kind of put to the same thing kind of on, on our hearts in different ways and we were talking a lot about um, the fact that you know you have to fill up to overflow and, and being anchored and how the spirit moves and um, there was a few things that um, that we talked about that were so significant in the spirit of God just just when he speaks and and you want, you pray, Lord, do your will, do your will. And yet, 
if you really want God to do your will, and this is what she was saying downstairs, you do have to make space for that. There has to be, uh, there has to be a discarding of the old to make room for the new. If God's making us in his image, you can't accept the yes while holding on to the new, or the old, rather. Let me say that again. You cannot, with your yes, accept the new while saying no and holding on to the old. You have to, you have to have, your yes has to be simultaneously with a no to the things that are not of God. Okay? So sometimes we say yes, and we want God to be added to what we're holding on to. And then we wonder why there's this weird stagnancy, which we talked about with the, with the image of filling up a pitcher, more than even a glass, she was saying, even a pitcher that can be poured out to help others. But if you are asking God to, to be added to your life, and that's what so many of the bride does. Lord, bless this. These are my plans. Bless them. I need you, but I need my plans. I need, I need you to help me with my junk, but I need my junk. You, you have to make space. You have to make space. And getting rid of the old is way harder than receiving the new. In some cases, it's really, it's like, Lord, I, you love me. I'm so glad you love me. But I don't want to let go of this bitterness and this rejection and this heart hurt. Because if I let go of that, I don't really know. I mean, that's, it's, been a, it's been a trial and it's been a challenge, but it's also kind of been my friend. It's my go-to place when I need to wallow. It's, it's, my, it's my party partner when I'm having a pity party. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we sometimes, um, it, it's, a, it's a strange deception of the enemy that we hold on to certain things of dysfunction because while we want what God has, we also don't want to let go and really be vulnerable. And that's what I love about when, when the Word of God talks about that the, the Spirit, it searches. In Colossians, it talks about that. It searches the deep things the deep things, and begins to bring to the surface things that need to be purged out. And many believers will, will they'll, 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 actually, it's actually a deception, because while you're receiving, you do get to a capacity where you cannot receive until it's emptied. You, you, you don't even have the capacity to receive until you've made some room. And so that's why it's a constant process of um, dying daily, crucifying the flesh as a picture of what Jesus did. Um, when I think of God keeping me out of the reach of the fiery darts of the enemy, um, I think always of the song that we sang this morning. Um, and I won't have you pull up these lyrics. I'm going to actually have you pull up. Is it called King of My Heart? Is that the name of the song? Okay. So get ready to pull up King of My Heart. But you know, I've all the ladies' conference, I went on and on about the, the song Defender. I really love that. The lyrics for that is just so, so breathed on by the Spirit because of the, he will defend your heart. When something comes against you, when insecurity, when comparisons, when hopelessness, hopelessness is probably the greatest attack that's happening in uh, our nation and and I believe really on our young people, although I really believe that I, I don't like to attach an age to that at all because I think it's happening to our seniors. I think it's happening to every age. Hopelessness is a huge attack. Hope in Christ is everything. It's the hope of the gospel. It's the hope of the message. Hope is that favorable, favorable and expectancy, favorable and and just desire of, of expecting the goodness of God. The goodness of God, when you don't believe in and you don't, you're not expecting of the goodness of God, 
that's a pretty good sign that you, you have some struggle with your hope. And, and people don't identify it as that. But if you, the opposite of that a lot of times is an evil foreboding. This feeling that, okay, I've got to brace myself for the next, okay, I don't know, boy, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to get through this. You know, or something bad's going to happen. And, well, I'm just hanging on, you know, to get, I know there's, I'm doing good now, but, you know, I know there's another trial coming, so I may as well just buckle down and hold, you know. That all sounds good and godly and spiritual when you kind of word it like you're doing well. But that's, that's an evil foreboding. That's a, that's a get ready, something dark is coming. You're, you know, you might be doing fine, but you know something else is going to hit you. That's different than saying, I'm going to be battle ready. Okay. I'm not talking about that. We know there are battles around the corner. But, but kind of this bracing yourself for the worst. It's that negative. It's that, that glass is half empty. Hope. Hope is a confident, it's a favorable and confident ex- expectation in the goodness of God, that you believe that God is good no matter what happens to you. It's not when the waves are high, the goodness of God is there. Okay, when the, when the waves are strong and they're pushing me, it cannot affect the anger of my soul. The fruit of the Spirit, when you think about the first three, love, joy, and peace. How do you walk in that when your human realm You've got, let's just take love. When you've got rejection, you've got hurt, you've got maybe a weird just flood of memories of things that have happened to you. You know, when the pressure on us externally in this realm just ramps up, 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 up. It just ramps up. What the, what the fruit of the Spirit is inside is it will be equal to the task. It is an equalizer. As you fill up in him, it will equalize the pressure on the outside that can take on whatever is coming. It doesn't mean that the circumstances of the external in the human realm are gone. It just, it will rise to whatever is coming against you so that it can hit it head on and you'll never be, you will not be moved in that particular situation. So don't misunderstand, and this is where we lose our hope. Because we're like, well, wait a second, God, you said I'd have peace. You know, I thought, I thought you loved me. But look at what happened. Look at what happened. No, the love of God, when we trust him in our faith, it rises up to the level of rejection that we get, to the level of hurts we get thrown at us. It, it takes it head on. That is, how we, that is how we are victorious. We're not victorious by changing the circumstances and making our life okay. And that's how we can glory. And that's how we also are really able to experience the goodness of God in the worst of circumstances. Um, my sickness, I told you when I got so ill uh, for that 10-day stretch, um, I saw the goodness of God because of what he did on the inside of me. He took his love over me. And it's just it's very, uh, it just was so, so uh, special to me, so real to me. But the love that he poured into me, the strength he poured into my spirit when this sickness, I'll tell you, I've had the flu and, and certainly, you know, the temperatures and things like that, never to this degree. 106 was pretty high. But I'll never forget how, how, um, how it kind of rocked me that I could not walk down my steps. There was such a quivering, there was such a deep weakness in my body to the core of, of me, humanly speaking that I had not experienced in an illness like that before. Now, everything God uses for good. It gave me such a, 
a compassion and a deep understanding of people that deal with that kind of chronic weakness or people that have had, you know, cancer with all the different side effects from the chemo and things that, that I've heard about. But, but the weakness in me was, was really overwhelming. I, I didn't, I just, it was, it, it really could have gone to a place of fear because when you start feeling that, you, you kind of in that moment go, wow, what does recovery look like? Like, am I ever going to be back to myself or have I turned a new chapter of something that's going to be permanent? You never you know, your mind gets hit with all, with all this. But the crazy thing about that is how God, during all of this, this major, um, just a crumbling of my flesh is what it felt like. I felt like I was deteriorating in this sickness. He was, I mean, he was building this warrior of strength in me, of confidence, of love. I mean, this was right before the, the women's conference. I'm just thinking, Lord, have you changed your mind? Am I not supposed to speak? Am I, are we not supposed to have this? I mean, how... You know the tubs that I got to load. You know my normal strength. I mean, I, you know, I can move furniture and lift couches and things. And, and I thought, I can't do anything. I can't even, I can't even walk. Like, this is crazy. And so he just, it's, he, it was like, I'm just getting all that out of the way so that you can see the stark contrast of your real reality. I'm going to pour into your real reality. And he started downloading visions of what he was doing in the spirit with hearts that were getting prepared to come. What he was doing to, to I mean, just on so many levels, he just started, and, and I, it was overwhelming in just the beauty of that. It became the sweetest time with him, and yet the worst time physically ever that I had experienced. So who's to say? Who's to say? If I only told you, if I only told you my human realm experience, sitting down for coffee with Casey, and I'm just... We're having coffee. I don't even know if she drinks coffee, but <laughs> we're having a beverage. And I'm telling her, oh, you would not believe what I went through. I was so ill. I had to be rushed to the hospital in an ambulance and this and that. I was, you know, this happened. I couldn't, I was flipped with a hairdryer because I couldn't get, couldn't get warm. And then all, then I, you know, I couldn't get cold, cool enough because I was sweating and it was all over. It was terrible. She would just think, wow, okay, that was terrible. That was terrible. Now, humanly speaking, it might be. But if that's all you're left with, Satan comes and whispers all the time, yeah, see, see, that person's going through hell. Where's, where's the goodness of God in that? Sometimes it takes, a, in the stretching of our faith, sometimes it takes a while to see the goodness of God. Now, I was able to get those downloads while I was sick. Oftentimes, he will wait a little, and you'll go back and go, Lord, why? Why did I go through that? Don't ever ask that question, by the way. The why is not the question. The why is a victim question. Ask two other questions that are incredible. Say, Lord, what does this mean? What does it mean that I went through this? Because you don't do anything random. This was not an oops. What does this mean? And then what do you want me to do? Who, 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 do, you, who, who, who do you want me to... To see in, in, or I shouldn't say who, but what part of your nature really do you want me to see in this so that I'll know what to do moving forward? What does it mean? Don't, don't, the why is a, you, we don't even have the capacity for why. It's just, what does it mean? What do I have to do? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to learn from this? What part of you do you need me to see that, that I had to go through that, that I would only see that if I went through? How are you preparing me? Like, ask questions from the place of knowing who God is, which is a redeemer and a restorer. 
But the why questions sometimes are just one of those questions of, you know, I'm just, I'm stuck here. The why is it stuck here? Because any answer a lot of times falls short. I'm so thankful that what God does within us, which is our real reality, um, is greater than our human reality. Go to Colossians real quick. I don't want to actually, I don't want that to be my words. I want you to just see actually in scripture where you can kind of soak in that truth. And it does come from Colossians 3. Um, I love it in the New Living. Any translation, whatever, but I'm going to read this in the New Living at verse 1. Since you have been raised to new life. This is Christians. The, the church at Colossae. He's, he's giving this letter to. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities. Okay? Think about this. Set your sights. Your, your affections, your, your, what, you, what you're about, set it on the realities of heaven where Christ sits at God's right hand in the place of honor and power. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Don't just think about the things here down on earth. For when you died, for you died when Christ died. That's what salvation is. You, you're dying with Christ and then being raised to new life. You died when Christ died, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. So he's trying to tell us our real reality is where we are in Christ. If we don't walk in that confident place of where we are, we are in Christ. So when you think about that, the next time you think about peace and rest, you know, even in Matthew, Matthew 11, 28, 29, the famous verses we know, come unto me. All you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Notice, and I said this at the courts training, notice he didn't say, come unto this wonderful place of rest. He said, come unto me. Come unto me. You who are burdened. You who are, quite frankly, always going to be burdened in this life, apart from me. Come unto me. Because in me, I reside in the kingdom realm where my burden is always, my yoke is always easy, my burden is always light. And so when you're there with me and you reside there, yours will be as well. I will give you rest. We can actually walk in a place of rest, in a place of peace. And it will begin to manifest in the the most beautiful places. The next time somebody says something, that just, whether they intend it or not, remember, your fight isn't with them. Your love is for them. But sometimes things that will come out of them will be the fiery dart that seems to have the sharpest tip that will just cut you. And when you are hidden and insulated and in the protection of his pavilion in Psalm 27 that we read about, or you're, he's, he's lifted you high above it. The, the angels of the Lord are encamped around you. All of these beautiful pictures of what it means to be hidden with him. It will bounce off. And you'll notice that when you're actually there, your human realm will begin to recognize, you know what? That doesn't affect me. So what's my response? I'm just going to love them. What do I say? Because I, I was recently had an experience where I was hit with words that hurt me. And... Um, I asked the Lord afterwards. I said, okay, Lord, 
you know, first of all, what do I say? I had to just kind of sit for a moment because it was like, it was almost like if, if you get smacked, you know how you kind of are dazed, just a little bit like, okay, well, let me just gather myself. That, that kind of knocked me. Sometimes words can do that to you. Um, whoever made up that phrase, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. <laughs> they did not know what they were talking about. <laughs> but um, but I, I, you know, I, I kind of had to think for a moment to process. And then, then I was like, okay, Lord, not only how do I respond in the moment, but what does your love look like in this realm going forward? Because sometimes you might give the right reaction in the moment. But remember, Satan's always there whispering, trying to cause a division. So what does it look like to move forward in that, with that person? Is it just, well, I just avoid? Let me just go back to my bubble. Whenever you feel like you have to go back to your bubble and stay away, okay, unless it's directed by the Lord for his purposes, for his divine boundaries, that's different. But when you just avoid out of fear, well, first of all, if you avoid out of fear, you already know you're not walking in the spirit, okay? Because there is no fear in God, no fear in love. But when you find yourself retreating, it is because you, you're not living in your real reality, as David did. David would cry out to God about the things happening in the human realm, but his spirit was so strong, his foundation with Christ was so strong, there was always, you see it in every psalm, there was always a but God. There was always a but God. Now, he knew how to go to the courts, which, by the way, that psalm we read, read Psalm 31 again, you see he makes declarations. He expresses his concern. He makes his case before the throne for what he is asking the Father to do. And then he ends with a declaration. See, declarations before the throne are really important, too. Just like, just like a, a lawyer would do. On behalf of my client here, and Jesus is constantly doing that for us. He just, it's like, he can't. He can't get the, the, the binding because we don't show up. It's the two witnesses. Okay, the two witnesses. Jesus is always there. He's always showing up to court for us. It's just sometimes we don't show up. So we don't, we're not another witness on our behalf. We always have a witness. We always have an advocate, but we got to show up. And that's what prayer is. Go before the throne and make your case and then declare. And I'll tell you, you will get, you will get a good verdict every time. Because God is for us, not against us. Start just, start just, uh, uh, what is the word I want to look at? Uh, just galloping, skipping through the beautiful meadow of Romans 8. It's just, it's just the, the promise chapter. It's just everything's in there. I've said it a million times, but I just love to say it again and again. It is the verses about nothing separating us from his love. Where he's for us, not against us. We're more than conquerors. All things work together for good. I mean, just... It's just, you just do, do well to memorize it. It's so beautiful. But the rest and the peace, and by the way, peace, it's not just a receive peace. Peter says it, and so does Psalm 34, 14. Pursue peace. Practice peace. Go after peace. Go after it. Just like God says, and Jesus says, to come unto me, seek me, seek peace. First, the kingdom and its righteousness. Seek who, where I am. Go after it. Pursue it. Peter tells us. It's, um, it's actually 1 Peter 3.11 if you want that verse. Seek peace and pursue it. Go after it. Because if there's one thing I see among believers more than anything else is that they do not have peace. There are more medications given out in the human realm today for anxiety and depression 
and agitation, anger issues, all kinds of issues. All of those demonic manifestations that are allowed to come in and take up residence in our house because we do not have it filled with Jesus, who is peace. When you're filled with Jesus, he's peace. It's peace. And the Holy Spirit may reside there. This may, be, you know, may even be an issue with the believer. But we've, we've boxed him in and we've not allowed him, we've not given him authority to rule and reign. And that's the trouble, by the way, that you run into when you want the things of God without getting rid of the things that are not supposed to be there. So I love um, the example of David. And, and he's really the only, uh, it would take too long to go into other examples in scripture, so I'm not going to do it. But, but you read through the Psalms, it's great. But I want to ask you, with what I said earlier, you know, what are we what are we manifesting? What are the fruits that are seen in your life? You know, our fruits are, are the manifestations of the Spirit of God manifesting in the human realm. You know, there's a lot of parallels, a lot of um, parallels to what we experience in our human body that teaches us spiritual lessons. You know, there's many, many things. What you deal with in your in the human body, even this morning I was um, just making a statement to Yvonne, you know, get in the shower, get the shower taken. And, uh, and I mentioned to her, I said, you know, this, so this isn't just your mom telling you you need to take a shower. This is actually a human experience. You cleanse your body every day. That's what you do. And immediately the Holy Spirit said, it's another lesson of the human realm to the spirit realm. You, you go before the Lord. You seek him and you ask forgiveness and you get his cleansing and his righteousness every day. Sometimes multiple times a day. Have you ever gotten dirty and needed maybe three showers because you were just in the dirt for different reasons? You know, and you go before him. You can get as cl- you can get clean multiple times a day if you need to. But that's the same. That's a, it's a lesson that's in the, the human realm. And Second Kings 17 is um, in that in that, that chapter. It talks about um, the people of that time because they rejected God and rejected and despised. The, um, the, the decrees that the Lord had given them, they worshipped idols and they became, which were worthless, they became as worthless as the idols that they served. And there, it, it's interesting, you will always manifest what you ultimately serve. And there is no such thing. Okay, look at how we're created. And if you really want to look at how you're created, go to the Word of God. Don't go to science. Science will confirm the Word of God. But go to the Word of God. If you want to get to know yourself, you want to get to know your body, you want to get to know your mind, go to your Creator. It will tell you. But the manifestation of what we take into our bodies shows up. It's just like in our lives. And God didn't make us to be where we just, well, I, I, that may be true, but I just don't really worship anything. No, you actually do. You were created with a void that worships, period. It's just what you're going to worship is the, is the issue. It's not a whether I'll worship. I, I serve something. I, I, it, you, you, there's no, there's just, that's not how we were made. That's like saying, I'm, not, I'm a unique body. I don't eat food at all. You can think you're a unique body for a while and not eat any food until your body is no longer moving on this earth. But your body, the human body, was made for food, for sustenance. It's just how, it's just, the, you know, it's how we're made. So to say that, well, yes, I understand that, you know, you are what you worship, but I just don't worship, I just don't worship anything. That, that's what some um, agnostics even believe. I just don't believe in any kind of power at all. That's not true. You, you are worshiping. It's what you worship that will be manifested. Just like what we eat manifests in our bodies in many different ways. It can manifest in the smallest ways. It can
can manifest in arthritis in your pinky. You know, there's many different things that happen. So think about what are we worshiping? What are you serving? The people of, of 2 Kings 17 became what they worshipped. We become what we worship. And that's why when New Testament talks about the, the fruit of the Spirit, it is a manifestation. So I'm going to close by saying a couple of things that just are interesting contrast. How do you know we're in relationship with Jesus? We're, we're in him. We're, we're learning this idea of being in my real reality. Uh, in this experience that I told you about where there were, you know, there were words that hurt me. Um, and, you know, it's only like one of many times. You can go to your local Wawa and you can have a, a, a case of somebody hurting your feelings or yelling at you or being upset because they thought <laughs> there was even somebody that was really upset because I held the door for two people and I didn't hold the door for them. I guess I don't know what happened. I didn't see them coming. And they just were, you know, it was just a weird explosion of, really? Not for me either? You know, it's, you, you have it. Offenses can happen all the time depending on the spirit that's on them. But if, you, it ever, if it ever really affects you that that happened, guaranteed that person has nothing to do with it. It's the enemy just choosing that perfect person at that right time to agitate you to try to get you derailed in your day. When you're anchored in peace, you only will respond with what you're anchored in. If you're anchored in peace, you respond peacefully. When you're anchored in love, you respond with love. If you're anchored in joy, the, the, the manifestations of the Spirit of God, how are they manifesting in your life? So many people don't have joy. They don't have joy. And you know why? It's because you're supposed to put on the garment of praise, okay, for the spirit of heaviness. What happens in the bride today, we put on, this, we, we worship. But it's not, it's not worshiping like Jesus said to the woman at the well, in spirit and in truth. It's just worship, and we're holding on to this spirit of, of heaviness. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, is gone from us because we think, yeah, I'm just going to hold on to this. I'll worship, just like how you pray. I'll pray and pray and pray, but you don't pray in faith to actually see a change. I'm not worshiping in truth, which means as I worship, I can let go of this. Instead, it's I'm holding on to this, and that's why there's no change. It's just a... It's just a strange thing that happens. But what constitutes our maturity or immaturity? First of all, if you're not growing in the Lord, you tend to think that your failure minimizes God, like, like that God isn't big enough for your failure, instead of understanding that God is so huge, if you just surrender to him, he'll take care of it, and, and it won't even be a failure. Um, I'm going to give you a couple. Let me give you the, the, the positives first. When you're when you're mature, you understand how lovely you are in the Lord to the Lord, even in failure. That's that's beautiful. You understand that you are lovely to Him all the time, even in failure. Um, instead of being immature, allowing failure to distance us from God, being empowered to overcome failure, just letting Him give you the power to know. Look, you you know how many businesses have been built from failure. Again, that's like trying to define the goodness of God. He's so good. He's so good. But we define goodness and we mess it all up, just like we define failure. Failure can be the best thing that ever happened to you in terms of the lessons it will teach you. It all depends on if the context is coming from the truth of the Word of God. And I'm just going to mention a couple others. This was one of the things that makes us immature in Christ is owning the struggle. See, the world says own your struggle in the flesh rather than your focus being on the freedom that you have in Christ over the struggle. 
um, it can even seem like a godly thing to say. You just need to own your struggle. You know, you'll, you'll be good. No. Own your real reality. The real reality is that I am more than a conqueror over my struggle. I am already a victor in my struggle. And um, that's, that's something that, that we struggle with a lot. Um, when, you're, when you're mature, you, you own your freedom in Christ. Um, you accelerate your freedom from any religious performance, any do's and don'ts list. Um, you learn different voices God uses in your relationship. Okay, um, I love the, the, the fact that God speaks to us in all different ways. And some people box him in that if he doesn't speak in this way only, then, you know, that's not him. And that's not true. He'll give us the discerning of spirits. Um, let's go to that, that uh, worship song, the king. Uh, what is it called? King of my heart. King of my heart. We sang these words, and I just, I just kept thinking, oh, God, this is so amazing. I, does everybody, do, are you grasping what you're singing? The first uh, verse, let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from. Okay, obviously, not literally. It's beautiful. If you've ever been to the top of a mountain, it's just a beautiful time of just solitude. And, uh, and Shannon was talking about that in class, too, that God is stretching. You know, you have your, your time when you, you love your secret place time. Some of you have a corner in your house or a special little prayer room, and it's wonderful to be able to go there. But God is wanting to take us to a place where he is where we run to when our bodies cannot run to any human realm place. Can you run to the king of your heart where he resides and you are able to retreat there and drink from the fountain that is there because of his Holy Spirit within us to be able to handle a situation when you don't have the human realm capacity? When things are coming at you to a speed, at a speed with which you, you can't manage humanly. See, when he wants to do our will, in order to make room and make capacity, he will stretch us. The stretching has to go beyond what we can handle. If you can always manage your schedule, okay, well, I'll, I'll do this from, you know, 11 to 7 here, and then after that I'm going to pull back. And, and, and again, it isn't, and she said this this morning too, this isn't about throwing boundaries aside. Even that is a human realm. There are people that will so give of themselves out of just, I just, I worry about what people think, so I'm just going to just keep giving and giving and giving, and they're just going to think I'm godly. It's godly, right? Right, Lord? I'm just going to give until I'm just spent. And then what I'm, but then what happens? If you ever pour out for the Lord and then start resenting it, sure, you were in your flesh. There is no burnout in the spirit. There is burnout in the flesh. That doesn't mean that the Lord doesn't tell you there are times to rest. But in the spirit only, you don't burn out. Because if you're truly in the spirit, the ebb and flow of when he has you going full force and when he retreats you back into rest is also guided by him. Because you need rest. But he knows that. That's why he says, come unto me. I'm going to handle it. Okay? I am going to be giving you the rest. The physical rest as well as the rest in your spirit. Um, what's, the next, what's the next one? He's going, and then, oh, he is my song. I love that. You know, Maybe you don't sing. That's okay. But when was the last time you, you wanted to just whistle and just hum or just a melody just was bubbling in you? The joy. You know, we want to walk in love. We want to walk in peace. But what about joy? Does the fruit of the Spirit manifest in just joy, 
even in the, in the simplest things like friendliness, a smile. Uh, I, you know, I've told you that story when I was in Africa, the very first time in Nigeria, and I, I remember thinking, I was so overwhelmed, didn't have, I didn't have anything to give, but I thought, the one fruit the Lord just laid on my heart is just love and smile. Just smile. Let your love show through your smile. Just, you know, smile. Because in, in my nature of, of where I would go if I could control my circumstances would be to retreat into this, okay, i got to brace myself. Okay, oof, man, it is just getting hot. Are we going to do something? Great. Talk to them about, let's do something about this air. You know, about the temperature in the whole nation. Can we get some air conditioning turned up? You know, like, I would have gone to a place where there would be no smile. There would just be a scurrying to fix my surroundings so I feel better. I couldn't do that. God just had me so far off on a, on a, out on a limb and off a cliff. But I thought, okay, in those moments, what's really inside is going to come out. You ever just been pushed to your absolute limit? Don't hate that. Let, let God push you to your limit. And then let him show up and be God. If you're never at your limit, you limit where God can be. You literally limit when, you, when you're always within your capacity. Greg talks about comfort zones all the time. When we're always within our capacity, where's the capacity of God to fully invade us? Sometimes he has to hang us off a cliff so that he can be the deliverer of us falling off a cliff. And many of you have been there and you can now testify, I have got the most awesome testimony because you would not believe what happened to me and what God did. If it didn't happen, you wouldn't be able to testify with what God did. So, and yet, we still fight against this all the time. What's that next slide? There was just two, two verses. Was this one? Yeah. Oh, be the shadow where I hide. You know, when you feel like uh, the heat of life, the things are burning down on you, you can't always go to a place where you can hide and, and just be cooled down. It's like, oh, I just need to gather myself. There will be times. Now, God does allow those human places. There, it is not a bad thing to just excuse yourself from a situation humanly. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, though, we need to be ready. And, and Shannon said it so well this morning. It's going to be the difference between the godly followers and the leaders. The leaders. If you And, and if you're in ignition, we've said this so many times. If you're in ignition here, it doesn't always apply to the online people. But it, those who have become part of this particular nucleus from the beginning, you've been called to leadership. So you will be called, you are called to a place where you've got to be able to be so anchored that in the moments when you can't do anything humanly about a situation, you can go to that place, connected with God right then, and say, okay, Lord, now what do I do? What do I say? Where do I go? Where's my peace? Okay, be my anchor. Tell me what to say. Shut my mouth if I'm not supposed to say anything. Speak boldly when all I want to do is be shut down and help me to move forward you got to practice that. There will be times you will stumble, and God will pick you right back up. He releases his angels in Psalm 91 to bear you up in, your hand, in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Stumbling doesn't always mean you dash your foot. There will be times you, you get a little bit like up, and then he, he'll, he'll anchor you right back in. It doesn't stop the storm, but when we're anchored in him, we're not tossed fully around. So, And I don't want to just speak in these platitudes, you know, these kind of, think about it in your own life, your own life. Where is the song in your life when you face something? Do you have to have all your circumstances fixed, you know, controlled for you to just be okay? My first Africa trip, I, I didn't do as well. 
My second one, it was a little bit better. My third one, God finally just told me straight up, this isn't about you. Graduation day, honey. You're going to be there for the team. You're just going to be there for the team. And it was a smiling, asking how people were, way more than my natural capacity had. Um, I just, there were just so many things that, um, now, if you don't see the fits, then you don't see what fits you didn't have. But I knew, I knew what it could have been. <laughs> it doesn't mean I graduated fully. Like, I got, I got so many more graduations to go. But God is, um, he's growing me, and he's going to be growing you. But he's, he's asking us right now with what changes are coming. If you, if you find that your whole foundation is rock, you know, sometimes when people go through one little circumstantial shift in their life, they're, you just, it's like, oh, yeah, we haven't seen you in three months. Yeah, I, you know, my job changed. And something, something in their routine of what felt good, their pattern changed, and it just derailed them. They're just not going to church anymore. Or they're, yeah, you know, what thing, no, no. Unless it's somebody right in your house, they wouldn't notice. But what, what does it take to derail you from the secret place? You have one little shift, a vacation, something that can be a good thing, even given by God. Do you know how many people will come back from just a shift change in their vacation, whatever, and there'll be maybe another month before they really have a good time with the Lord reading their Bible? You know, we, and, and the reason for that is because it was all based on external disciplines. It was never based on the delight of God. See, disciplines, if they're not rooted in delight, they don't last. You cannot put cart before horse. You cannot have the discipline and, and just think that that's going to sustain you. You have to delight in the Lord. Delight in it. You've got to love it. That's why people can't stick to diets. Because ultimately they're just hunkering down and disciplining themselves to do it. If you don't love every day what you eat, that's what's going to stick to you. That's why you always retreat back to what you love. You've got to change what you love if you want to make changes. You can't just buckle down and discipline something that you don't delight in. And the Lord knows that. That's why he says in Psalm 37, 4, delight in me, delight in me, and guess what? I'm going to show you what will give you the desire of your heart. I'm going to show you what you actually desire. By the way, you don't even know because I'm your creator. I'm going to just show you what you delight in. But then you're going to so delight in me, you're going to look back and go, I can't believe I did that so faithfully, so consistently. It's the new normal to be on the prayer call almost all the time. Twice a week, whatever it is for you. But to be on a prayer, nightly prayer call. Who knew? Can you discipline yourself to do that? For a while. But it will fall away with one little shift in your schedule. One little trial or or a, a situation, a crisis. Everything changes. And that will be the sure sign that you tried to fix your life externally versus internally. Our real reality is with him. And we've got to be anchored there. I know the Nigerian people that are moving. I call you Nigerian people now. <laughs> Those that are moving, they, they know that they're, they're, the Lord is revealing things. I, I'm quite sure every day, just daily, just you know, showing them different aspects of things. But don't just think that the changes are coming for them. The changes are coming for all. And by the way, there are good changes, and there will be changes that will look like the waves. You know, there are changes. Even, even honestly, the bride needs to be anchored as a whole bride. Uh, and the remnant is, is you know, we're, we're plowing the way in the spirit for the rest of the church to wake up because of what's about to happen in this nation that will rock people. Uh, the, the way that the enemy will fight against what God's doing to bring this nation back to being one nation under God, that fight that ensues that will manifest in the human realm in the ways of riots or various things and the battles that go on, it, it makes people, I mean, do you know how many people freaked out with 9-11? 
I mean, there were people, they had to have immediate counseling lines. These were for people that had nothing to do with a loved one lost. Just the fact that it happened, it was different. It shut down all the airplanes. Oh my, what's happening next? Crisis. They were completely rocked. People were, I mean, they, they, I mean, medications for depression went up. They had hotlines for all kinds of counseling. And I'm not saying that, that people helping people is a bad thing. But it was interesting how easily people were shaken and rocked in what they call it. They had to go to their safe space, whatever that is. I'll tell you, your safe space is hidden with Jesus if you are a believer. And that's where we need to be. So I just want to um, just encourage you to practice that rest. Practice um, the what rest isn't just a one-time visitation from God. Man, we can all rest during an awesome service and when we're worshiping and we're loving. Just the presence of God is so beautiful. But when you're anchored in Him, you are anchored no matter what. No matter what your emotions are doing, no matter if you are sick or well, people like you, hate you, you have money, no money. I mean, an anchored soul in Christ is anchored. And as you, as you practice what that looks like, uh, it, isn't, it isn't that God comes in and gives you peaceful circumstances. No, he just gives you peace. He gives you real peace. Because some people's circumstances are what we would say are perfect. And they are the most miserable people with no rest ever. Have you ever met somebody like that? I mean, I know a couple of millionaires that I would say, okay, what problems do you have? They, they're well. They have everything. They have money. They can... Get money to fix a lot of things. But if you can't sleep at night, and if you have turmoil in your mind, if you have this big old void that's just, you're just hanging on to stay moral because that void just wants you to indulge into all these things, man, God made us to be in sync with him, be in fellowship with him. And circumstances is not the way to it. It's only Jesus in that beautiful, beautiful place of relationship. Let's pray. God, we just praise you. We just love you. You are the king of our hearts, God. And God, I ask this morning that you reveal to us what needs to go as we say yes to you. That may not be the issue. I know everybody here, we, we've declared yes. We've given you yes. But what have we not said no to that needs to go? So that you can fully, fully take over in making us more in your image. Thank you that you even desire to. Thank you, God, that you don't ask us to do that apart from you. We couldn't begin. But just attaching ourselves, just abiding, just connecting ourselves with the vine, that life-giving place. It's really all it takes to produce this amazing manifestation. It's all it takes to, to receive. And, and by, the, by the sheer will of yes to you, we, we have our armor that is strong and secure. And we're just hidden in that beautiful pavilion when the wars of life and the storms and the upheaval and the craziness of this world swirls around us. Help us to set you always before us in our minds. Knowing that you're at our right hand and we will not be moved. Thank you for that verse in Psalms, God. I pray.
praise you for that. Let us not be moved in that. That as our human realm existence is about to be significantly moved, we will not be moved because we are in you. And we will only move in sync with your movement when you decide for us to be moved. It will never be moved apart from you, God. Thank you, God. You may be moving very, very fast, and you may be having us be still. But in you, it doesn't even matter. Like, like a, a parent carrying a child, as long as they're securely in the arms of the parent, it doesn't matter going right, left, up, down, bumpy ride or not. They're in that parent's arms. God, we just desire to be in your arms. And we can only stay in your arms with our yes, yes, yes to you. Thank you, God. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the love that draws us to you when, when we get sometimes pulled away of our flesh. God, help us to just walk. That, that, that word walk, thank you, God, for that. That step by step, each step, just being, just existing with you. In times of great activity, in times of waiting, it doesn't matter. In, in, the, in the times of favor, in the storehouse, God, that is about to pour upon us, I ask right now in Jesus' name that the very blessing that you are going to pour out upon all of ignition, that even the blessing, God, will not shake us and take our eyes off of you. May our desperation for you be as equal in the blessing times as it is in the times of desperation in in the human crisis. I pray, God, that you would so anchor us that whether you give us one dollar or one million dollars, that we need you, we can't live without you, we, we abide with you, we're consistent with you, with your consistency upon us, the same. I just pray that, God, that we would just continue to walk. Lord, I just pray that uh, you just, even the rest of this day, your desire, your desire, God, in this fellowship that you've invited us into is a place of encounter. Oh, man, it's a place of encounter. God, I pray for encounters. Encounters today, God. Let us not leave this place and have done our our God thing, or have done our church thing, and then just go on. Oh, our blood sugar might be dropping, and we need food right now. Whatever. You're in every part. You're in every morsel of food we swallow. You delight that we get delighted with the satisfaction of food. So God, help it to be pleasing to you. And us to just continue to just be with you, expecting an encounter at any time. I love it when you, you do it in the most unexpected ways and places. But God, I know you desire for us to have so many more of those times. Like that one song says, you're closer than our flesh. You're just literally within us, God. I praise you for that. And I pray, God, for anyone listening right now. That if they've not invited you, Lord Jesus, into their heart, 
if the void hasn't even yet been filled with your spirit, that they would just open their hearts to you and receive you this morning, God. And I, I pray that for every time it may be played in any amount of the future, that your Holy Spirit would just stay on these words right now as it is heard in the future, and that you would move in the hearts of those listening to just open their hearts to you, God. Where else have we got to go? Where else could we possibly desire to be? But in the very place that our Creator, who knows us through and through, has destined us to be. You have better plans for us than we could ever come up with on our own. Whatever our deepest desire is, we don't even have yet the desire of goodness for our lives that you have for us. Wow. Wow. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We want your will because it is the best thing we could pray for. No matter what it's packaged in, if it's packaged in a fight, in a turmoil situation, God, it is only good through your lens and with what you will do with it. Because you are good and do only good, as the Psalms say. Thank you, God. Bless the rest of it today. We just love you. We worship you. We lift up the name of Jesus. Bring Greg and Michael and Gary safely home with more explosive news of your plan and your goodness and your power unfolding. We just wait. We wait for the other dominoes to fall. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Um,